Well, we do hope you have a great uh, Labor Day tomorrow and get a chance to take some time off and uh, just enjoy. It's like beautiful weather. I'm glad, that, glad you could enjoy that. Hey, I want to say uh, thank you for your prayers for Wanda. Many of you have asked, and Wanda is here today uh, after having served. Yeah, give her a big round of applause. Welcome back, baby. Um, it's uh, so funny this morning trying to uh, get myself ready and then I've been, I'm still having to help Wanda with her stuff. So I'm learning how to curl hair and learning how to get you know, all that kind of stuff, putting her earrings in for her. If you wonder why she has about seven holes in her ear, that, that, that would be me today. Now, you're welcome to say, say hi to Wanda and tell her that you love her, but please do not hug her. Uh, that shoulder is still recuperating. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you so much for your prayers. I want to welcome you back to worship. I want to welcome our online audience. Glad that you guys are with us today as we continue our series on This Is Us. You ready? Repeat out loud after me. Becoming, serving, sharing, preparing. One more time. Becoming, serving, sharing, preparing. In this series, we've been looking at these four words, which serve as the foundation for what we call our focal points. And these are four uh, pillars that we really feel like God has called us to be about as a church. Um, two weeks ago, we kicked us off talking about becoming, becoming fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we were talking about the fact that God wants us to really grow to become men and women of God, that he wants us to be more than just believers, that he wants us to become disciples, to become like him. Um, last week, we, we talked about uh, serving our community at their point of need, and we talked about how we've worked really hard over these last several years to make our congregation a congregation that really does try to discern and connect with the needs in our community all around us. And if you missed either one of those messages, I want to encourage you either go on the app and watch the video or go to our website and listen to it or get the CDs for them because we want you to know what we're going to be all about. Today, I want to talk to you about um, the focus point that I really believe is our most important focal point. Um, all of these are big deals to us, but if we don't do anything, this is the one I really feel as a mandate of God, we've got to do well. And it's this idea of sharing our faith through investing and inviting. Several years ago, um, I uh, pastored in Pennsylvania I had a man in my church named David who was a professional trumpet player, played with a group called River City Brass Band there in the Pittsburgh area. David's brother, uh, Richard, was a worship leader at a church in a small community not far from ours. And um, David was telling me that Richard had asked him to come and be a part of a special music thing that they were doing. Uh, he wanted him to play his trumpet for this thing that they were going to do at their church and wanted him to play the trumpet along with the choir that Richard was going to lead. So on a given night when the choir was going to practice, David made his way to that small community, walked up to the doors of the church and um, went to go in and the doors were locked. And David was looking through the window, and it was one of a small church that you could see through the inside doors all the way into the sanctuary. And he could see the choir uh, there in the back in, in the choir loft area, um, but he couldn't get the door open. And he knocked, and he could see people looking his way. Even some of them kind of, you know, looked to see, look at the window, but nobody, nobody came to let him in. So he said he went around to a couple of side doors, tried to get in, couldn't get in anywhere. So he finally went back out to his, to his van and got a cell phone and he called his brother and he said, Richard, I'm here. Do you want me to come in and practice or not? And uh, he, said, one of the, he said, when he got back to the front doors, so somebody from the choir came and they opened the door and we said, we're, we're so sorry. 
we thought you were someone from the community wanting to get in. We thought you were someone from the community wanting to get in. That snapshot is a great picture of how, honestly, across North America, the church has become. Somewhere, there was a shift. Somewhere, we went from being an army and a force for God in this world to becoming a club. Um, Many of our churches have become fortresses. And instead of being a penetrating force in their communities, they are a fortress that people from the community find it very difficult to become a part of. Now, I want to I look you in the eye, and, and I'm going to be very candid and clear this morning, that I believe that to be the exact opposite of what God intended the church to be. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to say to you. The church primarily exists for those who are not yet a part of it. Can you say that with me? The church primarily exists for those who are not yet a part of it. Now, look at me. You you guys know me. I love you. I'll do almost anything in the world for you. But you have to understand that the primary reason that God leaves us here as a body of believers, it's not for you. It's not to make your life better or easier or nicer. The primary reason that God leaves us here is because we have people all around us who do not know him. And the biggest thing on the heart of God is his lost children. Uh, It's so interesting how I I get into this conversation uh, as I travel and speak and do different things because, you know, sometimes the the church says, you know, know, we just want to be about worship. It's about believers coming together and worship. And and, and I love worship. It's my pathway to God. But but it's not the primary reason we're here because if God, if what God wanted was just for us to worship, God would would take us all to heaven and for some of us, we'd finally be able to sing for the first time in our life. You know, we'd actually be able to make a nice melody or harmony. That That would be great. Sometimes we think that the church is supposed to be about fellowship. And I love fellowship. I I love getting together and I love uh, having relationships with people and I love the potluck dinners and all the fun things that we do. But fellowship is is also not not the primary thing because if fellowship was all God wanted, then again, he would just take us all to heaven and we would finally get along with each other and stop arguing about stupid stuff and we could eat everything we wanted without gaining weight. I am really, really looking forward to that day, I'll tell you. You know, but the primary reason that God has left us on earth, the primary reason that the church exists is because there's a world full of people who are far from God. And we are the link. The church is the link between heaven and those people. Does this make sense to you? That's why I I entitled this this message this morning, uh, The Missing Link. Uh, Throw that picture up on the screen. This is not The Missing Link. How many of you that looks like an uncle that you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's not the missing link. We, we as a church, the body of believers, we are the missing link. Now, I want you to take your sermon outlines out. You can track along with me. Uh, I want you to take good notes. Keep yourself awake this morning because I want I want to bear my heart to you as we talk about this because this again I think this is one of the most vital messages that we can share. When we talk about uh, this whole idea of being missing link, here, here's what we need to understand. So, okay, Pastor Steve, if the church ought to be doing something, then what does that look like? Glad you asked. You ready? Here we go. First off, get this. We, we are the means. We are the means. 
In other words, when we talk about reaching this world for Christ, often we'll think about having crusades or having revivals or, or, or some kind of program that churches ought to run. And here's what I want you to understand. Throw that up on the screen for me. Evangelism is not a program. It's a personal responsibility. Evangelism is not a program. It's a personal responsibility. When we talk about God giving this mandate to the church, look at me, we are the church. The church is not an organization. It's an organism. It's, conformed, it's formed by people. So in other words, we are the means by which God is trying to make his message known to this world. Um, January 22nd, 1930. Um, King George V was about to uh, make a speech from Britain that was going to be broadcast uh, around the world. It was a, a, a big moment. There was a big uh, naval armament thing going on, and, and he was making, making this speech. Uh, the, the radio broadcast was being relayed from London to New York, and then it was being spread to radio stations from that center in New York. Shortly after the king began his speech, somebody in New York accidentally kicked a cable and snapped it in half. And it went off the air. And the million listeners in North America all of a sudden couldn't hear anything. There was a, um, a junior engineer uh, there at that, at that broadcasting station. Uh, his name was uh, Harold Vivian. Harold uh, ran around and, and did something absolutely unbelievable. He reached down and grabbed both ends of those bare wires. And this 250-volt current went through his body. He made the connection for that cable and held it while they repaired it. Are you ready for this? For 20 minutes, for 20 minutes, he held both ends of that cable with that electricity going through his body. Throw that picture up on the screen. This is a picture of the guy on the far left right there. That's Harold Vivian. You can see his right hand actually got burned from that, from that electricity as it was going, leaving, leaving his body. 20 minutes he held that. He was the one who made the link. The king's message went through him to all of the people in North America. Ladies and gentlemen, that's us. The king has a message for our world, amen? And we are the ones who hold on to him with one hand and hold on to this world with the other. And the king's message is radiating through us. We are that means. And it's all through the word of God. Throw the passage of scripture up on the screen for me. Read this out loud. These are the words of Jesus from John 20. Uh, verse, actually, this is verse 21. Read it out loud with me. As the Father has sent me, so I I'm sending you. In the context of the scripture, it's, it's so cool. We don't have time for a kind of an in-depth Bible study this morning with all this, but there's just a really cool piece in this where Jesus is talking to his disciples and, and the way it's phrased in the English, it says, and, and if you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. And if you retain anyone their sins, those sins will be retained. And it, it kind of looks like when you read it that, wow, you mean the apostles had the ability to forgive sins, which we know that's not true. Only God can forgive sins. But there's the, the phrase that he uses here, it's a, it's a great use of what we call the future perfect in the tense. And here's what it literally means. The sins of anyone that are going to be forgiven are only going to be forgiven because of you. The sins of anyone that, aren't, that is not going to be forgiven, they are not going to be forgiven because of you. In other words, Jesus was telling his disciples, if you don't preach this, it don't happen. It don't happen. As God sent me into this world, now I am sending you into this world. And that message is now relayed 
to us. Here's another way that Jesus said it right before he left in Acts chapter 1. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Read it with me. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Who's going to be the witness? We are. We are. Now, here's the great part of this. Now, I want you to just kind of tack on, and if you get your outline, circle that word witness. Because here's what I want you to get. God doesn't say you have to be a Bible scholar. God doesn't say you have to know a lot about apologetics. You don't have to, you don't have to know all of that stuff. What he says is, I want you to be a witness. In other words, I want you to tell other people what I have done for you. Come on, it's us. How many of you are not ashamed to publicly confess that God has done some really cool stuff for you? And all Jesus says is would you tell some other people what I've done for you? I love this. Throw the passage, next passage up. This is from Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. These are the words of Paul. Paul said, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. On your outline, if you're one of the guys who goes back and looks at this later, circle that word reconciling wherever it appears in this, this text. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this message, of this wonderful message of reconciliation. Now read it together with me. So we are Christ's ambassador. God is making his appeal through, through us. This is so good. That word reconcile that's used there, that, that Greek word in the Hebrew, it, it comes from a Hebrew root word. It's where we get the word atonement. In, in the Old Testament, it was the high priest who would go into the Holy of Holies and he would offer this sacrifice and it was his uh, laying down that sacrifice, him doing that, that God atoned for the sins of the people. In the New Testament, of course, Christ comes on the scene, the final high priest. He offers his body as a sacrifice, and now Christ became the atonement for the sins of mankind. You, you're tracking with me? But then, take it one step further. That's why Paul goes on to say in Romans, he says, now you, I want you to be, you're a living sacrifice. In other words, God now is making that appeal through you. It is only as we are God's ambassadors that we take this atonement of God and we take it to people wherever they are. Pastor Steve, what's the means by which God is going to do this? We are the means. Look at me. We are the only way that this world comes to Christ. There is no plan B. Amen? Now, you say, okay, well, Pastor Steve, what, what does that mean? Do I have to, you know, learn evangelism? Do I have to do that? No, no, no. Throw that next thought up on the screen for me. Our relationships is the strategy. We're the means, and our relationships is the strategy. In other words, you don't have to enroll in a program. Um, you don't have to uh, learn a whole bunch of fancy stuff. You know how God wants to change this world through us? He wants to do it through our relationships. All right, let me blow your mind with this. Relationships has always been God's strategy. It's always been his strategy. From the beginning of time. Oh, come on. Anybody know the, the, uh, what we call the Great Commission in the New Testament? Anybody bold enough to say that out loud? 
Any Bible college students that know the Great Commission? Any former pastors know the Great Commission? Somebody give it to me. You're real loud. Yell it. Yeah, go into all the world and make disciples. It's not, you're afraid I'm going to make fun of you, aren't you? And I, and I will, please, I, I promise you, I will, I will. That's what we know is the Great Commission. Do anybody know what the Great Commission in the Old Testament is? Probably never thought of it this way. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Think about this. God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden and he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, what, do you want to, what does he want? He created a perfect man and a perfect woman. He put them in a perfect place and he said, now I want you to re- reproduce perfect people just like you so we can have this community so that we can all walk together in the cool of the day. This was the idea that God had. That was the, that was the great commission. But before Adam and Eve could fulfill that commission, they sent and sent entered the world. And thankfully, God, out of his grace, didn't abandon us with that. But he reached out to us and formed another covenant with the Jewish people. And God established this covenant, and then he wanted that to be passed on. And next week, we're going we're gonna to give a good example of this in this service when we do the child dedication. Because, again, that, that whole relationship thing plays in again. As God says to us, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And teach these things to your Children. What's he getting at? Faith was meant to be handed down from one generation to the next through us. That's what is that? That's relational evangelism. That's God connecting people to him through relationships. Jesus comes on the scene. And how did Jesus do evangelism? Through relationships. He was walking along the Sea of Galilee and he would see some guys fishing and he would say, Come, follow me. It was a simple invitation. And as they followed him, guess what? They became converts of his. Track with me. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, Levi, Jesus sees Levi sitting at his tax collecting table. And he says to him, come follow me. And the Bible says that Levi got up and he follows Jesus. Then Levi did something really crazy that night. He had a dinner party. He invites Jesus to be the guest of honor. And who else does Levi invite to come to dinner? All of his friends. Who were sinners. In fact, I love how the the Living Bible describes them as notorious sinners. These were people who were famous for sinning. You know, you got to love this. So, So what was happening? Here's Jesus connecting with Levi. Levi extends this invitation to his friends. His friends come to dinner. And as a result of that invitation, Jesus gets to share his heart with his friends. Does this make sense to you? Mark chapter 5. There's a demoniac filled with demons. And, and Jesus heals him, delivers him. After he changes this guy completely around, Jesus and his disciples are about to leave. And the guy says, I want to I go with you. He said, the Bible says that he begged Jesus to go. And Jesus said, no. Do you remember what he said to him? No, go home. Tell your friends and your family all the wonderful things God has done for you. Then you get to Acts. In Acts chapter 5, it talks about how they were, and every day they, they met together in the temple courts and they had public worship. And from house to house, they shared the good news of the gospel of Christ. Are you catching this, gang? You see, when we talk about how, how does God want to change this world, 
He wants to change it as he has changed our lives. He wants us to reach out in very simple ways, use our relationships to our friends, our family, the people we connect to at the store, the people that we meet. He wants to just do through that, through those simple relationships, he wants his love, his compassion, he wants his hand to reach through us. Does this make sense to you? You see, statistics tell us that on any given, any given person has at least, at least 8 to 12 unchurched, unsaved friends in their sphere of relationships. And that's your mission, Phil. Letting God use you to connect to them. Can I give you a couple of thoughts as you think about that? Paul makes a great statement. I think I shared this verse last Sunday, but let me, let me give it back to you again. Paul was writing to the Colossian church. He says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, let me stop right there for a second. Because some of you are saying, Pastor Steve, are you you telling me you want me to be in relationships with people who are far from God? And that is absolutely what I'm telling you. Light cannot bring light to darkness without penetrating the darkness. Salt cannot make a difference in food unless it penetrates that food. Are we, are, are we clear about that? But let me give you a couple of thoughts as we think about establishing these kinds of relationships. Let's go back to what Paul said. Let me give you three thoughts right out of that verse. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Paul says, be wise. Be wise. Now, here's what I mean by that. I want you to invest in people who are far from God, but, but be very clear who's influencing who. Are you with me? Be very clear who's influencing who. Now, can, can we be honest? This is just us. Have any of you ever had relationships in your life with, with people whose values and whose beliefs about God and so forth, whose relationship with God wasn't at a lot of be? Have you ever had people in your life who they had more influence on you and than you had on them? Can anybody be honest enough to admit to that? And can I just tell you, those are relationships we need, we need to be shy of. Those are relationships we need to be careful about. And I want to say particularly to those of you, you know, one of the dangerous grounds we get on, we talk about connecting with people from far from God is our romantic relationships. Because if we can be honest, man, when we, when we, when we fall in love, um, what my, my, nephew used to, my nephew used to come home and he was in love every week, you know, and, and uh, I was telling him, you're not in love, you're just in heat. That's all. You just need to remember that. <laughs> But when we, when, we, when we fall in love, when our emotions get involved, come on, when, we get, when our emotions get involved, we lose our head. And sometimes we give ourselves over to things that we really don't want and shouldn't give ourselves over to. And, we, and you just got to be careful with that. And I just got to be really clear. That's why later on in Corinthians, Paul talks about, you know, what fellowship has light with darkness and don't become unequally yoked together. In other words, don't get in over your head. You got to be wise. Amen? You got to be wise. But the second part of that is you, you, you need to be aware. You need to be aware. Seize the windows that the Holy Spirit gives you to care to show compassion and extend an invitation. Be aware. Um, Paul said, um, you know, in, in your relationship with, with outsiders, not, you know, not only be wise, but make the most of every opportunity. Think about that. And, and what he's talking about is there are going to be opportunities along the way for you to minister to somebody's life. Let me, let me, let me show you something real quick. 
I want you to think of this front of the stage. I want you to think of this as a scale. And I, and I want you to think over here is a, of where people are in their life when they're not really open to, to hearing about God. You know, they, they got life together. They don't really want to hear. Maybe they're mad at God for whatever. But anyway, they're just very resistant. Sometimes people over here. And as they move over this way, on this side is where people are very open to hearing about God. They're, they're, they're at a place they really want to know. And, and what I want you to understand is that people are constantly moving up and down this scale. There are things that happen in their life that make them either more or less resistant to God. And a part of our uh, move, you know, dealing with people is being discerning as to what God's doing in their life. And, and when are those moments when we might be able to minister to them? And one of the times I've discovered, and you've discovered this, is that one of the times are when people just go through a very difficult time. When people go through a difficult time, they're just, they're just more open Okay, you'll love it. Some of you may have seen this. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's little Lucy. Anybody see her in social media last week? This is just a great picture. Little Lucy had her first day. She's from Glasgow, Scotland, and she had her first day at school uh, just two weeks ago. And uh, this was her mom taking pictures, as all good mamas do. Jillian was taking her picture before she headed off to school. And, of course, Jillian wanted to greet her just as she got home at the end of the day. And here is Lucy coming home. <laughs> Did you not? And you thought you had a rough day. <laughs> Look at that little. <laughs> I died laughing when I saw this. And what, what was funny is Julian in the, in, the, in the post when she posted this, she asked, she asked Lucy the question, what happened to school today? And, and Lucy's response was, oh, nothing much. <laughs> nothing much. It looks like you got mugged, you know. But uh, she just said she had a nice day, had a lot of fun with her friends. Throw that next picture up, and you can contrast them before and after. <laughs> Holy cow. All right. Now, look at me. Look at me. These are the kinds of days people have every day. These are the kinds of days people have every day. And what I want to tell you is that all around you, every single day of your life, there is someone having this kind of day. They, they may not look as disheveled as little Lucy did, but I promise you, every single day of your life, you're, you're meeting people, you're running into people whose lives are not going really well. Yeah, I, you know, maybe it's because I love people. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a pastor. Maybe it's because it's a, a gift. I don't know. But I have found this is to be, for me, wherever I go, I run into these kinds of people. Um, I, I meet them in banks. I, I meet them in stores. Uh, I, I meet them on the airplane. I meet them in airports. Um, I, I, all the time, I'll, I'll just strike up conversations with people just to be friendly. And I can't tell you how often for me, in the context of that conversation, I can just sense that there's something going on for them. And I just say this little phrase, is everything okay? And I can't tell you how many times I've said that simple phrase, is everything okay, to someone and had them absolutely go to tears instantly. Because sometimes behind the smiles on people's faces are really hard lives. And I can't even begin to tell you how many times God's given me the opportunity just to speak a few words of comfort or, or just to lean in and say, can I just say a short prayer for you? 
Or, hey, you know, do you go to church anywhere? I, I think it might really help you to go. Uh, I can't tell you how many doors God has opened simply by being aware of what people are walking through. Does that make sense? Now, the third thing Paul says is, and I, and I want to be really clear with this, is, is be gracious. Be gracious. People don't follow jerks to Jesus. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, some of you have family members, and I don't care what you do, they're not going to hear it from you. Uh, some of you have friends, or some of you are going to run into people sometime, and you're going to do your best to be nice and be kind and, and extend them an invitation. You know their lives a mess. You know what they need, and you're going to tie the best of your ability to share that, and they're going to throw it back in your face. Look at me. They did it to Jesus. They'll do it to you. Okay? But what you can't do is change your view of them because of what they did. Look at me. They aren't bad people. They're lost people. Amen? And, I, and I, I put this on your outline. You know, Jesus invited a lot of people to follow him, but he loved the ones who didn't as much as the ones who did. I've said this so many times, and I'm going to say it for the rest of my life. It'll be a wonderful day, a wonderful day in the life of the church, in the life of Christianity, when we discover that to be holy means to be nice. It'll be a wonderful day in the life of the church, the day that we discover that to be holy means to be nice. Amen? Amen. Let me give you one last piece. The Holy Spirit determines the timing. The Holy Spirit determines the timing. Now, I want to I set you free with this because I, walk, I want you to walk out here today feeling no pressure whatsoever. God is, uh, is going to use you. He's going to open doors for you in your life and relationships, but here, here's the deal. You do not have the responsibility to win anyone. You do not have the responsibility to bring anyone into the kingdom of God. That's God's job. Uh, it, was, it was a great day for me one day when I was reading in the latter chapters of John when I, I came across this verse that said, when the Holy Spirit, Jesus spoke these words, said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict men of their sin. That set me free. You know why? Because when I got into ministry, I thought it was my job to convict people of their sin. It's like you get a class on make them feel bad, 101. You know, you just kind of... And I discovered, you know, that's not my job. I don't need to make people feel, I don't need to tell people how awful they are. I don't need to get in people's faith and tell them what they're doing is wrong. I don't, I don't need to do any of that. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict men of their sin. I'm to be an ambassador. I'm to only be there for them when they're ready to receive him. That's why I love what Jesus said. Throw the words, those words up on the screen. John 6, 44. Read this with me. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. What, what, what were we talking about? Remember the scale that I gave you earlier? It means being sensitive to the fact that when God's working in somebody's life and God's beginning to trouble them, they'll move further and further this way. Your job is to be sensitive when they're over here and, saying, and just asking that question. If you, if, you, if you tap on the door of their heart and they push you away, look at me, stop tapping. Stop tapping. Wait till God cultivates them to come. It's not about you. It's about them and their journey with the Lord. 
um, I, I put on your outline, our job is to invite and witness. God's job is to inspire and win. You say, well, Pastor Steve, what do, what do I do? What do I do with these people? Because if you're like me, I've got some people in my life that I care dearly about. I really, really, really want to see them come to Jesus, man. I mean, it breaks my heart to see where they're at. I, I, I want it. And I, all I can tell you is if you want it worse than they do, you'll sometimes find yourself putting pressure on them that you, you shouldn't put. Because instead of drawing them to God, you're only going to push them further away. So what can you do? You can take a step back, let God work, and you can pray because the prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective, God says. Amen? That's why, again, I put on your outline, giving people over to God is not the same as giving up on them. And sometimes you'll have people in your life, you're just going to have to give them over. Amen? I said all that this morning to say this to you. There are people in your sphere of influence, people in, you will meet people that are already in your relationship circles that probably are a lot closer to God than you realize. They may not look like they are, but I promise you some of them are. Throw that picture up on the screen. That young man's name is Beckett Cook. Um, Beckett, when he... Um, graduated from college, came out to his family as being gay and fully embraced the gay lifestyle. Um, he was a designer and uh, designed clothes, uh, did very, very well, uh, moved to Los Angeles and he actually had uh, uh, lots of, got really successful in the industry. He was attending fashion shows all around the world. He was in the big fashion shows in New York, uh, in Paris, uh, all around the world. He uh, was hobnobbing with the, you know, the, the, the elite of Hollywood. He was uh, a guest often in the homes of actors and actresses and all this kind of stuff. He was living the life that he thought, anyway, that he dreamed of living. And then he said um, he found himself at a, at a party in Paris. And he said, as he stood in this room, looking around at this room full of people, he said, all of a sudden, he became very aware that he had everything that he had ever dreamed of having. And he felt horribly empty inside. And he realized something, something big is missing in my life. And he said, he left the party early. Short time after that, he was back in L.A., and he and a friend walked into a very trendy uh, coffee shop uh, where they had often gone, and they were sitting there visiting, and he said there were a, a group of people at a table right next to him, and he said, uh, he said, I looked over, and he said, they all got Bibles out. And he said, immediately, I looked at them and went, oh, they're the enemy. <laughs> you know, I know how they feel. And um, he said, but in spite of that, uh, he said he got engaged in a conversation. And he said he and his friends started talking to the group, and they were, they were nice. And they had this great conversation about stuff. And he said along the way, his friend left. Um, he said, but he stayed and continued in a conversation until one of the people sitting at the table said, well, Beckett, where, where do you go to church? And Beckett said, well, I don't go to church. And he said, well, would you like to come to ours? We'd love to have you. And Beckett said, well, how do they feel about homosexuals? And they said, well, you know, our church teaches that if you practice homosexuality, that that's a sin. But you would still be welcome 
to come. And Beckett said, you know, I knew it was a risk, but I knew I was missing something big. And so he went. He said as the pastor was preaching that morning, he was preaching on Romans chapter 7, and he said it felt like every single thing that that pastor was saying that morning was just for me. And he said, suddenly I became so aware of the fact that homosexuality was not my identity. It may be something I did, but it wasn't who I was. And he said, as, as, as he, at the, at the, by the end of the service, he was just racked and just a wreck. And so he, he, he went over and he, there was a guy up front that he walked over and he began to pray with. And he said, as this, guy began, as this guy began to pray for me, he said, all I can tell you is my heart broke. And he said, I felt the spirit of God wash over me. And he said, I began to cry uncontrollably. And he said, I knew in that moment that I had found what I was looking for. Beckett, after that, began to change not only his lifestyle. He, he said the attraction to men didn't, wasn't something that just suddenly went away. But he believed God's word that practicing that lifestyle was a sin. And so he committed himself to being obedient to God and his word. And of coming years after that, he wrote a book called Change of Affection. And this incredibly successful designer became one who began to talk about the incredible life-changing power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Throw that next picture up on the screen. This is Beckett speaking at Biola University, sharing his life and sharing his testimony. Now, I, you can't miss this. And this man's changed life happened because somebody at a table in a coffee shop gave him a simple invitation to come to church. Pastor Steve, how, how in the world are we going to change this world? Real simple. We're going to change them one life at a time as we allow the Holy Spirit of God to move through us as we invest and we invite the lives of others. Amen. Rachel, go ahead and come on up. I'm going to ask my prayer partners if you guys would go ahead and take your places as well. This morning, um, I, I want to give you an opportunity to, to just lean into the Lord for a couple of moments. And um, for, for some of you, look at me, gang. If you're here this morning and you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, if you find yourself like Beckett, realizing this morning there is something missing in you. There's a hole that you've never been able to fill with anything in your life. This morning, I just invite you. God loves you just as you are. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how long you've been there. From wherever you are, if you will take a step toward God this morning, I promise you, he'll run to meet you right where you are. And this morning, like Beckett, you can have an incredible change of life from wherever it's been to a brand new life that can begin today. But there may be some others of you that maybe there's someone on your heart this morning um, that you've been praying for. Some, it's a friend, it's a family member, someone close to you. And, and this morning, you want to just spend these next few moments asking God, Lord, would you, would you use me to speak to them? And this morning, you can pray right where you are. You can come to an altar and kneel and be by yourself. We have prayer partners, two in the back, two in the front. 
any one of these would love to pray with you for someone in your life that you're asking God to touch. Or, or if you have something else going on, maybe it doesn't have, relate to anything I've talked about this morning. Maybe you're facing a challenge or a struggle. Maybe there's just something going on uh, in a relationship and you just need someone to pray with you about that. This morning during these next few moments again, our prayer partners would be more than happy to pray with you about anything that's going on. If there's someone that you want to remember, you can put it on your prayer card and you can hang those on the wall and we'll be praying this week as a staff and we'll be happy to pray for you, for anyone that you're reaching out to. But this morning, again, out of all the focal points that we talk about, this is the one, Chartel, we got to do this. We are the only hope that this world has. We are Christ's ambassador, you and me. We're all God's God. I know we're not much, but we're all God's God. And he wants to use us. Will you make yourself available to him? It's, you know, what's amazing is if, if no other church or Christian outside of here took this message seriously, but we did, if, if every single one of us, last week we had uh, read about 400 uh, here if every single one of us made it our goal to just reach one person, just one, for a whole year, and then that next year, those we gathered and we would all do that again, do you realize that in 11 years, we could evangelize the entire Oklahoma City metro area? If we all did that, just one every year, just one person a year, in 11 years, 1.8 million people could be reached for our Lord Jesus Christ. We're all God's God, but we can do a lot when we make ourselves available to the Spirit of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, how thankful we are today that somewhere, somewhere along the way, someone reached out to us. Uh, a parent took us to church. A grandparent led us to Christ. A, a friend invited us to a, a, a youth group meeting. Uh, somewhere along the way, someone in our life made a connection for us. And because of that, we're here today. And many of us are a part of the body of Christ. And now we have that baton. And I pray, God, that you would help us to not keep it to ourselves. You were so clear in Acts chapter 1 when you said, you're going to be my witnesses. You, you, we are the only reflection of you that this world has. And Father, every single day, we have friends at school. We have people at work. We have people that we meet. We have neighbors. We have family members that we have the opportunity to be Christ to them. Lord, would you give us uh, just a spirit-led sensitivity? Would you give us a, a courage and a boldness? Would you help us to, to stop just holding back, but, but to just fully allow you to use us to invest in people who are far from God, to become friends? Lord Jesus, you were a friend to sinners before you became a savior to him. Help us to do the same. Father, as we invest in, in people far from you, I, I pray that you would bless those efforts. I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would make us sensitive to those moments when your spirit is moving in their heart. And I pray that you would give us the courage to, to take these invite cards or our CDs or however we do it and, and to invite them in very simple ways to connect with this body. And as we do, Lord, and we expose them to your gospel, we pray, Lord, that you would just change lives all around us. Father, when I read Beckett's testimony, I thought to myself, I wonder how many people every day that I walk right by who have this big hole inside of them that are just an invitation away from a changed life. Lord, make us your light. Make us your salt. 
Help us to fill in the gap between heaven and earth. In your precious name we pray today. And everyone said, amen, amen.